This message was presented at the GYC 2017 conference, Arise, in Phoenix, Arizona. For other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org. Okay, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis 3, verse 6. is our opening text. The seminar is entitled, Eyeless in Gaza, Sexual Integrity for Men. You know, and I, I highly recommend the men for, for the women as well. I'm glad to see the women here. Uh, a lot more men. The last time was mostly all women. I saw men coming peeking in, but <laughs> they, they turned around and left. But, you know, I, actually, I can tell you it would save your marriage if the men would know about women. And it would save your marriage if women know about men. So good to see the women here. Um, it's kind of like they're kind of scared to come in, but praise God for your bold souls. Yeah, what do you say? Amen. So... This presentation is entitled, Eyeless in Gaza, Sexual Integrity for Men. Eyeless in Gaza, Sexual Integrity for Men. Just raise your hand if you didn't get a handout. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for guys for helping out. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Actually, Anya, come. You to my daughter. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Just hand out to people in the back. Come in. Thank you. Okay, Genesis chapter three, verse six. Sexual integrity for men. Eyeless in Gaza. So when men become sexually pure. You not only revive their relationship with God, but it's going to transform your relationship with your girlfriend or your wife, your fiancé. Every man battles with sexual temptations. And every relationship, whether you have a wife or a girlfriend, will only grow stronger when you actually defeat these sexual temptations. And so we'll be looking in this study from some stories in the Bible about how some men overcame in this era. So you know what men, now we look at last seminar, we looked at how women struggle. And women struggle with different temptations. We learned that they have a higher level of estrogen in their bodies. And so they struggle more with the emotional. And that's why the sexual temptation is for women to struggle with emotional lusting of the heart. That's what we learned in the last session. Okay. And which is actually not even spoken about. You hardly, you don't even hear about that. Some, many people in the church have never even heard about emotional lusting. And that's what women do. That's the temptation. That's what they're drawn toward to. Um, with, with men, it's different. Men have higher levels of testosterone. Do you know that men have 10 times the amount of testosterone than women? Do you guys know that? 10 times? So that's why you're wired differently. You're created differently. Women have a higher level of estrogen, and that's why they struggle with their sexual sins in a different way, and men struggle with their sexual sin in a different way. 10 times the amount. And that's why we wonder why we're different, why we struggle. But just want to let you know, men, that you're not alone. Okay? This is actually, your, biologically, you're wired differently. God created you with different hormones, and that's why you're different. That's why we act, we, we, we act differently. And both sins is wrong. So, you know, the physical lusting is just as sinful as the emotional lusting that women do. It's just that men are always targeted as the ones who are, you know, dirty old men or perverted, right? Pornography. But women are the to struggle with different sins, but it's never talked about, even in the churches. So we want to kind of focus on different things of uh, 
of the different sexual temptations for both men and women. So, with um, this subject, with men, let's focus on the Word of God. And um, you know the powerful thing about the Bible? The powerful thing about the Bible is that you don't read, you know, the Bible is a bunch of stories about people who are perfect. I don't think I ever want to read the Bible. Because then it'd be like, unlike me. You know, I want to read stories where people struggle with sexual temptation, like David, right? Like Samson, that's what we're going to be studying today. In other words, it be, makes it real that, hey, these guys struggled and they actually lost, but they, came, they became victorious through the love of God. What do you say, amen? amen? It makes it real. Like these guys struggle, and Jesus struggled. We're going to talk a little bit about that as well. They struggle with these temptations. And you have to understand the difference between temptation and sin as well. And even thoughts and looking is different. So with that thought, as we go through the Word of God, Praise God to see all the men. Amen. <laughs> we want godly men today. What do you say? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, as your word is open, help us to understand and apply your word. And may you just speak directly to our hearts that we may see how much you love us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 3, verse 6. Now, we learn about the temptations of Eve, right, that she had back then then and how the strategy attack was was toward Eve was to get her to sin and you know if she wouldn't just eat in the fruit right he had to get into her mind and change her mind and mess up her mind right and once he messed up her mind then she was he, he was able to get her to sin well with with Adam knows what happens here the Bible says here when the woman saw that the tree was good for food right and it says at the end, she ate. And then it says in the end, she also gave to her husband with her, and he what? Ate. Okay, so now Eve was deceived, right? He went to her mind, deceived her into falling, right? Played with her mind, changed her mind, her thoughts and feelings, and then she fell into the sin. Was Adam deceived into sinning? No, he wasn't, right? Do you know what the reason why he actually decided to eat the fruit? Because of who? Because of Eve, because of the woman, right? He felt that he couldn't live without her, right? That's what he said, you know. A little, little down the road, he was saying, the woman who you gave me, blaming her, right? The one he would die for, right? But in the beginning, he was like, oh, I'm going to die for her. How noble, right? But I'm going to die for her, and I'll eat the fruit. In other words, he sinned because of the woman. That's the first sin of Adam, right? He sinned because of the woman. And you're going to find out that a lot of sins of men, the number one sin for men is falling to sexual temptation. And so it began in the Garden of Eden. That's where it began. Adam saw with his eyes his beautiful wife and chose to sin with her and ate the fruit. So with that thought, let's go to David. I think David is a good example of what happened of falling to sexual sin. First, 2 Samuel chapter 11 Verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1. Let's go and look at the story of King David. And we're going to look at the strategy attack that Satan used to get David to sin. You know, Satan has strategy. He used certain strategy to get Eve to sin. And how, that's how he gets modern Eve to sin, gets the strategy of, to, of attack against them. And so today, Satan used the same strategy attack for men that he used back then in King David's time as well. And so in verse 1, what did David do when all of Israel went out to war? The Bible says it happened in the spring of the year, 
at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. You see, David as the king was supposed to go out to war, but instead he stayed at home and he was idle at that time. And you know, that's the steps that Satan uses to attack. You see, Satan's first line of attack is to get you to become idle. In other words, nothing to do. Inactive, lazy. And because of that, Satan has easier access to your mind. Is that not true, right? And so that's what the first line of attack, to get you idle as men, that's the first step of attack. The second step is verse 2. What happened to David one night? The verse 2 says, Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he's, he, what? What's that word? Saw a what? Woman what? Bathing. In other words, he saw a woman who was naked, right? So that was the temptation. So the first thing he did was he got, he got David to be idle, right? Nothing to do. And the second step, a strategy of attack that Satan does toward men, he made David see through his eyes a woman taking a bath. Now, he was tempted through his eyes. So he puts out, Satan, he purposely puts out sexually charged images of women before men in order to get our attention. Is that not true today? What do you say, man? Amen? That's what he does. And it's everywhere. Praise God that Hawaii has a billboard ban in Hawaii. You can't put billboards on the freeways. But sometimes they put all these sexually charged images everywhere, right? The internet, it just pops up everywhere. It's like Satan knows how to get men's attention. The first step, right? He gets you to be idle. The second step, he actually put these sexually charged images showing these half-naked women or even naked women on the internet everywhere you go because he knows what makes men fall and he puts it out there. Now, I want you to notice what happens next. Okay, the next thing that happened. David just not only saw a naked woman, the Bible continues on and says, he saw a woman bathing, a sexually charged image, and then it says here, and the woman was very what? Beautiful to what? Behold, look upon. All right, because not just like looking at a quick glance, but he already saw her that she was beautiful. The temptation already came with a sexually charged image, but actually went a step further, and actually he began to think about it. Behold it. Behold something. You're looking and staring at it. You actually started to fantasize about it. And that temptation turned from a temptation to like a lusting, conceiving inside his mind. That's what happened. So he's looking at, and, and he noticed that she was very beautiful to look upon. So rather than looking away and choosing not to do it, he stared upon the woman long enough to determine that she was beautiful. So he tempted her to stare and, and long for the sensual image that was placed before him. That was a temptation against David. Now, after desiring a woman, what did David then do? Look at verse 3. The next step is, the Bible says, So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, It is not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. So he brought, he asked questions. Who is that woman? Where does she work? Does she like me? If I have an affair with her, would anyone find out what's going on? Are you following me? In other words, he started inquiring like, if this could happen, right? Kind of imagining already. He already imagined in his mind. Now he's kind of outwardly questioning and kind of acting it out on his outside what was happening, right? And then it says here, 
Verse 4 to 5. What happened after King David lusted after Bathsheba with his eyes? Look at verse 4 and 5. So now it, is, it all happened just like the woman. It happened in his what? Mind first, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth what? Speaks, right? The mouth speaks on the outside. What is already happening in your what? Heart, right? In your mind. Now, where's your heart located? Is it on the outside or on the inside of your body? Inside, okay? So your mouth speaks on the outside. What you do on the outside, it only reveals what's already in your what? Heart. So we learned last, in the last presentation about women, it already happened in the mind. That's why they act out in, afterwards, right? Inside, same thing here with, with, with David. He's only acting out what he was already thinking in his mind. If that's clear, let me say amen. Amen? So the battle is really inside of your mind. Is that not true, right? It's not external forcing and, you know, the kind of gritting your teeth kind of thing, but there needs to be a change of the mind, right? And that's, what we, that's the focus. You change the inside, and the outside will follow. It's not change the outside, and the inside magically changes, right? But yet some people think that way. But you change the inside, and the outside follows. So notice it says here in verse 4 to 5, the Bible says, um, Then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he slept with her, for she was cleansed from impurity. And in verse 5, and the woman conceived. She got pregnant. The woman conceived, sent and told David and said, I am with child. In other words, he slept with her. Again, he followed the outside, only what happened on the inside. And that was, that was what happened. So Satan gets us to be idle, number one. Two, he puts sexually charged images in front of us. Then he gets us to dwell upon it to think upon it for a while, to fantasize about that woman, right? It's in the mind already. And then the sexual act follows it, right? And that's how Satan gets men to fall. That's a strategy of attack that he's used before. And the problem is that men have definitely what is called an eye problem, right? So let's go, how may we commit adultery? Turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 27 to 28. Matthew chapter 5 in your Bible is verse 27 to 28. How may we commit adultery? Notice the Bible says. The Bible says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery, but I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his what? Heart, on the inside. So, Adultery or sexual acts or whatever you do on the outside, right, is wrong. But God is not only looking at your outward acts. He's also looking at your inward thoughts and your feelings. You believe that? Let me say amen. Amen? amen. That's what he wants pure because he knows that's the spring. That's where it comes from. If you heal from the inside and you experience healing there and your thoughts and feelings are cleansed, then on the outside you experience um, healing and then and the sins will go away. So the focus is not so much grit your teeth and, and, and clench your fists and, and just kind of like force your way through. The focus should be upon let's allow God to change our inside, our thoughts and feelings so that our eternal actions will stop. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? A new heart that God wants to put within us. So look at verse 29. In relation to spiritual adultery, what could we do as men that may save us? Look at verse 29. Talking about the next verse later, it says here, if your right eye causes you to sin, 
What does it say to do? Pluck it out and cast it from you, for it's more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body be cast into hell. So, in other words, if you want to be saved, it's better that you actually pluck your eyeballs out, right? That you don't look at a woman, right, man, right? How many guys would pluck your eyeballs out? I mean, don't do it. That's pretty drastic, right? So he's saying that you pluck your eyeballs out, right? So that you actually be saved, right? Without your eyeballs. Kind of crazy. But it's going to apply to something in the future. But there's a better way for men to be saved than us to pluck our eyeballs out. Oh, thank God for that. What do you say? Amen? Amen, man? <laughs> so the better way is found, and that's found in Job chapter 31, verse 1. Job chapter 31, verse 1. What is a better way for men to be saved than cutting the, plucking their eyeballs out so that they won't sin with their eyes? Because the battle is with the eyes with the men. The physical lusting of the eyes, we're going to find that out when we go to our next story. But the eyes is where the battle is really at. And notice what Job said he would do. Job chapter 31, verse 1, it says, I had made a covenant with my what? Eyes. There it is again with men. A covenant with his eyes. That when, Why then should I what? Think or look upon a young woman, right? Think upon or look upon, to think upon a young, beautiful woman, right? In other words, now I want you to understand there's a difference between being attracted to something that's beautiful. How many believe that whether God makes us beautiful? Let me see your hands out there. What do you say, amen? So God created everything. Do you know God even created women? Do you guys know that? Amen? And God created them to be beautiful. Can you hear a big amen? Amen? I know men and women are here. Men change when women are here. I know that, okay? And women change when men are here, okay? But women, God created men to be even good looking, right? What do you say, yeah? Amen? To be attractive. How's that word? Attractive. Because he created, God made all things good, right? So he made that. So he created, not, we can say, oh, wow, the mountains are so beautiful. Oh, the trees are so beautiful, right? Oh, but, you know, as a Christian, we can't say women are beautiful. You know, that's just kind of, but women, God created men and women beautiful, right? So to, to recognize that God created men and women beautiful and to, be a, to see the beauty and to be attracted to that, that's okay. That is not sin, okay? We've got to clarify that. Is that clear? If that's clear, let me say amen. amen. Amen? Because if you go too extreme, that's when you fall into deep sexual sins. And that's how the papacy works, you know? They create an environment of where total hatred against pleasure of sin, that's why they have, they, they, they kind of elevate a different caste, celibacy. Those who actually are priests and nuns, if they don't have sex, they're at a higher spiritual level than those of us who do. Are you following me? So anyone who enjoys the pleasure of sex is a lower standard. They call it actually, um, they call it actually a sin. The, enjoying the pleasure of sex, even in marriage, is considered a sin. So this, that whole concept, you create that, and with that creates a whole flip over until people come into more, um, more into like drastic and horrible and wicked sins because it kind of flips over. Kind of like the pendulum swings. And that's why even a virgin Mary, they believe that not only Mary was a virgin, yeah, and she never had, there's a Bible text in the Bible that contradicts it, that not only Mary was a virgin, but immaculate conception is that her mother was a virgin. How's that one? And she's a virgin for the rest of her life. Which is not true because the Bible says that she didn't know until after Jesus was born. Yeah? She didn't know her husband until after. So it means afterwards she did sleep with her husband. So 
You know, these false doctrines, it points that there's a different caste system. Those who don't have sex is considered a higher sphere, so it downgrades the pleasure of sex. And because of that, you know, a lot of people have a lot of issues even in the marriage in relation to that. So that's what happens. So this, and also, you know, every man is tempted, the Bible says, when drawn away of his own what? Lust, right? So, and then when lust has conceived, then it is what? Yeah, bringing death, which is, which is sin, right? So there is a difference between being tempted and actually sinning. Does that make sense, right? So if a, if, a, if a naked picture of a girl flashes in our minds, right, that is not sin. Is that clear? It's when you actually start to think upon and dwell upon it and fantasize about that, then it becomes sin. What do you say, amen? Some men struggle with that. Um, thinking that the, the, the bad thought, right, is actually sin, but it's not sin. And that can bring a lot of guilt upon you. And once you feel the guilty, you fall into, uh, might as well just give up and just go all the way, right? But this that thought is not sin. So you have to separate the two as well. So looking at something that's attractive um, is not sin. Um, temptation of even sexually charged images is not sin. But when you start to think upon it and dwell upon it and fantasize about it, right, that is when it turns from a temptation to sin according to the Bible. If that's clear, let me hear you say amen. Amen? amen. Okay, good. So, with that understanding, you know, we're tempted everywhere. The sexual temptations are everywhere. You know, I'm from Hawaii. Beaches are everywhere. You know, I'm thinking about, you know, you go to like Virginia, and um, compared to Hawaii, you know, Hawaii is very open. You know, a girl will come in a skimpy two-piece bikini and walk into Macy's during, you know, December time. Nobody even thinks anything about it. But you have a, a woman in two-piece skimpy bikini in December going to Virginia, right, in Macy's. And they're kind of like, what is she doing, right? It's like totally, Hawaii is totally open. And so the temptations there of these sexually charged images can be even more so with all the beaches and, you know, everything. I had a person say that he had to quit his job because of where he was working, he always saw these half-naked women all day and he couldn't be faithful to his, his wife because of the environment he was in. Does that make sense? You're putting these negative thoughts into your mind, these sexually charged images you're seeing it all the time, and what's happening to your, your thoughts is changing and in the inside, and then you're acting out only on the outside what is already happening on the inside. Satan uses pornography, sexually charged images of women found in magazines, Books, the internet, Hollywood movies, television programs. And it parades these sensual images about women all over the internet. And, you know, it's meant to captivate. Hollywood knows what it's doing. They know what sells. They know what makes money because it knows the, the human flesh even better than even a lot of our churches, right? Like we're talking about the last seminar. Like, no, when's the last time you've seen in your churches talking about, you know, sexual temptations of men and overcoming sex and, and sin in your churches or even in your schools, even in your homes. And so Hollywood is this, this living off the money it's making upon all these different things. And so if you look at your handout, it says if you're seeing sexually charged images, and you're lusting after them, you know, it increases even masturbation, it increases fornication, increases corrupt marital passions, increases adultery. But if you're not seeing and staring at and, and this fantasizing about sexually charged images, you're not lusting after them, it decreases masturbation, decreases fornication, decreases corrupt marital passions, and decreases 
adultery. God wants us to experience purity, not only in our outward actions, but purity in our thoughts, in our minds, in our feelings. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? So what we're going to do now, we're going to go to the story of Samson. Turn me to Judges chapter 14, verse 1. I think Samson is a powerful example of one who fell into sexual sins. Judges chapter 14, verse 1 to 3. Notice what it says. The Bible says, Samson went down to Timnah and saw, there's that word again, it says, he saw with his eyes a woman of Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother, saying, I have seen with his eyes a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me as a wife. Then his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren? among all my people, that you must go and get a wife for the uncircumcised Philistine. And Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she pleases me well. So Samson saw with his wife, he wanted to marry against the wishes of his parents. So here we have Samson sinning with his eyes, right? The sinning with his eyes, the physical lusting. Before, you know, here's a powerful miracle grace of God. Even though he had sinned with his eyes and he was with this woman he shouldn't have been with, right? He committed a sin. We know that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson and it fell upon him and he used Samson to destroy 1,000 Philistines, right? Remember the jawbone? So even though he had fallen to sin, God still used him. What a miracle grace of God. What do you say, amen? That God would use him even though he had fell into these sexual sins? Those that happen next. What did Samson do next in Gaza? Judges chapter 16, verse 1. Notice the Bible says again about Samson. The Bible says, Now Samson went to Gaza and saw there a what? A prostitute there, a harlot, and he went to what? Into her. In other words, God, Samson went to Gaza and he saw with his what? Eyes. There it is again. Satan tempts men through their eyes. So he, he saw this woman, a sexually charged woman of a prostitute. Now how does a prostitute dress? You know, is it all covered up? No. It was a sexually charged image of a woman. He saw with his eyes Satan tempts men with the sexually charged images because he knows that men's weakness is actually the physical lusting of the eyes. And so he gets them to fall there. And that's what he did here to get Samson to fall there for this woman who is a prostitute. You know, we know in the Bible that he woke in the middle of the night. The Spirit of God came down upon him and he destroyed the enemies of God. And here it is again. He broke the, the door off the hill and put it on the top of the, of, the, of the gates and put it on top of the hill. And isn't that the mercy of God again? What do you say? Amen? Even though we sin again and again and again with our sexual sins, God in his mercy does not forsake us. Even in the midst of our sexual sins, God still blesses us and uses us and he gives us his grace and mercy. You know, we think that only those people who have sex with a prostitute have, um, have sex outside of marriage or commit adultery are the ones who commit sexual sins. But sexual sins go beyond this. Okay, there's a, look at your handout. It says here, the marriage covenant covers sins of the darkest hue. Men and women professing godliness be base their own bodies to the indulgence of the corrupt passions 
and thus lower themselves beneath the brute creation. In other words, you think that, oh, okay, I can get married, I can do whatever crazy things, right, within a marriage. But according to inspiration in the Bible is that, you know, marriage can actually cover up a lot of evil and sins. Many, many do die prematurely, their lives sacrificed in the inglorious work of excessive indulgence of the animal passions. Yet because they are married, they think they commit no sin. Interesting, huh? Now, I want to balance that out. There are, unfortunately, this is true. Like I said, the culture of the world where the papacy has created, like, those who enjoy the pleasure of, sin, of sex is sin, right? Like, venial sins, right? So, because of that, women tend to have breaks, sexual breaks in marriage, you know, thinking kind of like a cultural thing, yeah? And so it hinders them from even having regular um, good sex that's actually um, sacred sex within the marriage as well. Does that make sense? And so there's a lot of barriers that, and breaks within the mind that they need to heal from as well. But then there's the other extreme here, where it's actually um, they use it excessively and in a wicked way. Now, I'm going to allow for questions at the end, okay? So if you have questions, I'm going to do it like last time, and we can ask questions. So you can write them down, and we can be ready for that. And then it says here, the next quotation, passion of just as basic quality may be found in a marriage relation as outside of it. So these Satan is deceivers to think that once we're married, we can do whatever we want, but that simply is not true. But at the same time, Satan deceivers that once we're married, you still have to kind of hold off and put on the, put on the brakes sexually as well, but that's not true as well. What does Samson do next? Judges 16, verse 4. Notice the Bible says here. The Bible says, Afterward it happened that he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was what? Delilah. Delilah. He might, I'm sure you heard of Delilah, Samson Delilah. He lusted at Delilah with his eyes, and then he slept with her. She ended up to be bad news, right? She betrayed him, manipulated him to tell her the secret of his power, which was his what? His hair, right? Cut it. No man could stop Samson. You know, Samson was the most powerful man out there. God had used him to defeat the enemies of God in such a powerful way. But where no man could stop him, a woman could. Is that not true today? Powerful speakers. Powerful ministries. What no man could do, a woman did. That's today. That's the world we live in today. And no, Satan knows what he can do against, against you. He knows what your weakness is. What happened in verse 20? The Bible says in verse 20, and he said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. So he would go out as before at other times. And I said, I'm going to go out as before as other times and shake myself free. So I'm going to go out. God was with me, with me all these other times. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to shake these guys off. And it says in verse 20, 20, it says, but he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Whew, God was with me before I fall into these sexual sins. Who God was with me. God is merciful to you. What do you say, amen? God was with me here this other time. I, took a, I destroyed the enemies of God. God used me in a powerful way, even in ministry, in my sexual sin. Who the mercy of God. What do you say, amen? But there came a time. But because of his choice to sin again and again and again, 
warp the picture of God, and you slowly pull yourself away from who God really is and loving him, where you could not hear his voice anymore. It's a frightening place to be. The Spirit of God had left him. They did a study. You, know, you think this is in the world, sexual temptation. They did a study in one of our colleges. Not going to say which one. But they wanted to follow and track the internet traffic for a weekend in the men's dormitory. And they found that in one weekend, the internet traffic in one of our colleges, 75% of the internet traffic for this men's dormitory was internet pornography. If we continue to deceive ourselves and sweep our problems under the rug, that everything's fine because we're God's remnant church, we're we're headed down a, even a worse road than we're at. Continue to deceive ourselves and not want to touch these issues and not bring it out in, in our churches or even our schools. We're going to be worse off than where we're really at. We're, not, we're, we're living in a false world. We talk about the last presentation. We talk about how we're in, you know, women like to live in a fantasy world, a false world that's not really true. We as a church, at Laodicea, we're living in a fake world. We're not able to relate. We can't, we're not relevant. We don't know how to reach because we don't want to deal with these issues. Better we sweep these problems because it's too painful to deal with this issue. Well, who wants to deal with this statistic of 75%? Right? Who wants to deal with that? Let's just sweep the problem on the rug, pretend it's not there, and just continue on with life. Isn't that how we do it? Not only in the church, but don't we do that even in our institutions? Don't we do that maybe even in our own homes? Our institutions are made out of our homes, is it not? And we do a disservice to all those young people who are struggling with these sexual sins of emotional lusting of the heart for women and physical lusting of the eyes. We do a great disservice to all these young men and they get so discouraged and frustrated that they can't overcome and they leave the church. Right? Is that not true? God wants us to have the victory. Notice what this quotation it says here. It says, volume two of the testimonies, 470, talking about self-abuse, which is masturbation. It says, when persons are addicted to the habit of self-abuse, it is impossible to arouse their moral sensibilities to appreciate eternal things or delight in spiritual exercises. Impure thoughts seize and control the imagination and fascinate the mind, and next follows an almost uncontrollable desire for the performance of impure actions. In other words, in our mind, we're fantasizing you know, masturbating, fantasizing about other women, and even emotional lusting after men in our minds from the last one, what it does is it creates impure thoughts, right, within our minds. And we don't appreciate eternal things. We don't appreciate going to church or spiritual things or anything, right? We don't appreciate even listening to seminars or whatever because the things that we do pulls us away from spiritual thoughts. That's what happens. Next quotation. Some who have, make a high profession do not understand the sin of self-abuse and its sure results. Solemn messages from heaven cannot forcibly impress the heart that is not fortified against the indulgence of this degrading vice. Now, God's message wants God. It's not that God is not speaking to us. It's that we're not hearing his voice. What do you say, amen? 
Because the things that we're doing, sin separates us from God. We can't hear God's word because our choices, our sins are separating us from God. God is always speaking to us. He loves us. He's reaching out to us. Whatever disturbs the circulation of the electric currents in the nervous system lessens the strength of the vital powers and the result is a deadening of the sensibilities of the mind. In consideration of these facts, how important that ministers and people who profess godliness should stand for clear and untainted from their soul-debasing vice, which is masturbation. If that's clear, let me say amen. Amen? amen. It doesn't end there. It says, we must do something to stop this terrible tide of moral impurity. Self-abuse as the most degrading sin, polluting the whole character of the man. Listen to this quotation. Unless those who are practicing this vice break up their sin and repent before God, they will find no place in the city of God. Ooh. Pornography. No, it's a sin. Temptation. No, but there is victory through Jesus Christ. What do you say? Amen? Amen. And I'm a testament to that. God has given me the victory through Jesus Christ. What do you say? Amen? Amen. He can give you the victory, what you've been through. And we're going to give you actually practical tools in the end. But God can give you the victory over pornography, sexually charged images, to looking at those things. And God's love can give us. I want that. How about you? Amen? It says, we need to see that, you know, pornography, sex, and masturbation is not truly the root cause. There's a reason. We talked about the last seminar, but there's a root cause a cost is in the mind, but many times it's, a, it's an addiction as a way to escape or to numb the pain, just like food. There's something in your past, again, we're going back on emotional healing, there's something in the past here that happened. I'll give you an example so you kind of understand what I'm talking about. So um, there was a, I spoke at this weekend at this church in Northern California, and um, I asked if people could want to talk with me and we could pray together. So we did. We talked and we prayed together. And I remember this one man was in the back of the room and he's waiting. And my last seminar was at, I think it was at 6, 7 o'clock he finished. But it was like 11 o'clock and I was meeting and praying with people. And finally this one man was walking back and forth, back and forth. And I said, hey, you next, come. He said, no, no, let them go, let them go. So they all came one by one and, we talked with them, and we were helping them experience healing. And then um, finally, he was, was the last person. And he came and sat down in front of me, and he said, I struggle. I said, what would you like to, me to pray for? And he said, I struggle with anger and with pornography and sexual sins. That's what he said. And I tried, and then, then he said to me, I have something to tell you, but I don't think you're able to handle it. I was so exhausted I didn't answer him because I thinking to myself, I really wasn't able to handle it because I was so tired, so I didn't say, tell me about it. I just let it go. Then he said to me again, I have something to tell you, but of which I'm not able to, I don't know if you're able to handle it. Then I said, thought to myself, probably so, so I didn't say anything. And finally, I said, well, just tell me what's going on. So he said, well, I struggle with this sin and this sin and everything. And I tried to you know, find the root cause, and I couldn't figure it out. And I was kind of frustrated already, like, oh, I don't know if I can help this guy. I, know. I, was, I was so tired. Maybe I'm so tired I can't connect. I'm not hearing God's voice. I'm not able to relate the principles rightly. And then I got kind of frustrated. And finally he said to me, no, I have something to tell you, but I'm not sure if you could, you're able to handle it. Then finally I said, okay, why don't you tell me what's going on? 
He said, I retired, but about 40 years ago, I'm in the medical profession, and I was doing my clinicals, and I was in this room alone with this young girl about 10 years old. And when I was in this room alone with her, something happened, emergency, and I flipped the wrong switch. And I knew I should have flipped it back, but I panicked, and I froze, and I didn't, and that little girl died. And to this day, you're the only one that knows this. There's a root cause for everything. Some kind of escape to numb your pain and make you feel better. That's addictions, right? Food, what do you can do, whatever. Behavior, narcotics, right? To numb the pain. And so he's struggling to that root cause. You have to discover, what is, that? what is it? Was it a divorce when you were a child? Still hurting you? Are you following me? Was it the fact that maybe you were sexually abused yourself? What was it? What's that root cause that's causing that, that the symptoms here? Because if you don't deal with the root cause, I don't want to say it's reason from cause to effect. You don't deal with the root cause, you're always going to be continuing these symptoms, right? Is this a numbing thing? People drinking? What, they even say to, they're drinking to drown out their sorrows, right? To numb their pain, right? That's the whole drugs, everything. All these addictions do the same thing, right? Is that what, true? Is that not true? So if you don't deal with the root cause, you kind of just gloss over everything in your past. You don't heal from those things. That's why we have our, our school called Healing Rain. We deal with the root causes and healing from your emotional pain. So you can actually truly have victory. That's why we have these programs. You don't deal with the root cause, then it will continue on. And it's going to continue on 75%. We don't deal with, the root, deal with the root causes. It's going to go up to 80%. 85%. Not like 75 is not already high already. It's going to get higher and higher and higher. And God wants us to experience that healing. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? You know, what does Samson do? Look at Judges 16, verse 21. It says here, um, Bible says here in 16, 21, it says, Then the Philistines took him, and they put out his, what? Eyes, and brought him down to Gaza. Gaza, where he found that prostitute, represents sin. So in other words, they took out his eyes. Samson was eyeless in Gaza. That's the title of this presentation, right? But he was eyeless in Gaza, but saved by God's grace. What do you say? Amen? He had his eyes plucked out, like the Bible says. But he had his soul was saved. What a wonderful God. Amen? He couldn't make it to heaven with his eyes, so God decided to take his eyes out. So he could be in heaven. And then it says here in verse 28 to 30, how does Samson's life end? It says here in verse 28, that Samson called to the Lord God, saying, Oh, Lord God, remember me, I pray. Strengthen me, I pray this once, that it may take vengeance. And it says, let me die, verse 30, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might and destroyed all the Philistines in that building. In other words, he killed more, he did more for God in that last time after his sin than ever before. What do you say, amen? You may have fallen into some type of sin, emotional lusting of the heart, the physical lusting of the eyes, sexual sin, adultery, Whatever it is, masturbation, fornication, whatever sin, but if you give it, you, if you gain the victory and healing in your life, God can use you in a much more powerful way than ever before. What do you say, amen? Because now you can have a story like David has and Samson has of 
of victory and how you can help other people. What do you say? Amen? You know, in, in Numbers, in the Bible, in Moses, you know, there were the serpents and they are bit from the serpents, remember? And they are told to look upon a, 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 a pole with a serpent. And that pole with a serpent, who is a serpent, by the way? Satan, right? So what, look at the serpent on the pole. And, you know, it's hard to look at a serpent when you're getting bit. You're looking at your bites, right? You're looking at the serpents on the ground, the sin, right? You don't want to look up. But if those who looked up, they what? They live, right? But those who looked down, they died. In other words, if you look at your sexual sin, you look at your fornication, your adultery, your masturbation, you look at those sins and the, and the stings of it, you look down upon all the things that's going on in your life, you're not going to gain the victory, right? But if you look up at Jesus, because Jesus was made to be Satan or made to be sin for us, right, on the cross. And that's what the, the pole with the serpent represents Jesus on the cross. When you look at the love of God on the cross of Calvary and how much he loves you, when you see that love for, of God he has for you, that's going to break the stronghold of Satan upon you. But you have to look up. Look up the cross of Calvary. And God wants to experience how much he loves for you. He died on the cross of Calvary for his church. So a church could be set free. I want that. How about you? Amen? So covenant challenges based upon God's promises to us. I want to just challenge you men. Here's a covenant challenge. Number one, men, covenant to look and see the love of God has for you on the cross of Calvary. I want that. How about you? What do you say? Amen? Two, covenant with your eyes that you immediately turn away, from, from, away your eyes from any woman that you may lust after. Can you hear amen? Amen? Three, covenant... With your eyes to never look at any type of pornography or any type of sexually charged images of women, either in books, magazines, or on the internet. Can you hear it? Amen. Amen? Four, covenant with your eyes to stop watching all Hollywood movies and television programs that show any sensual images of women or degrade or debase women into mere sex objects. Can you hear a big amen? Amen? Five, covenant to stop all sexually immoral acts, whether you're single, have a girlfriend, or married. Can you hear a big amen? Amen? They say it takes about three weeks in order for something to become a habit and about six weeks for something for like a sexual habit in order to break that habit. There are five things I want to share with you to help you overcome your addiction. The first thing is face and experience healing for your past hurts. What do you say, amen? That's what we were talking about here earlier, right? Face your, your root causes. Two, read and think upon the love God has for you, especially on the cross. God's love gives you the victory over sin. Inspiration says, love is the agent by which sin is expelled from the heart. What do you say? Amen? Read the Desire of Ages. Read a chapter every day. Read a, the section, on the, especially on the cross of Calvary and actually Gethsemane. Three, change your diet. Okay? Um, I say, look at this quotation. It says, those in danger of exciting the animal passion, their children should not be allowed to make eggs their diet. For this kind of food, eggs and animal flesh feeds and inflames the animal passions. How's that one? You want to have the victory? You really want victory? You have to change your diet. Sorry about that. I know some of you love eggs, right? You love the meat, right? But the more you eat of that, it feeds your animal passions. This makes it very difficult for them to overcome the temptation to indulge in a sinful practice of masturbation, self-abuse. Specifically, she talks about it, which in this age is almost universally practiced. By the way, it's not only men, it's women. I have many women told me they masturbated and their children are masturbating who are girls. So this is not only one-sided, right? You guys know that, right? This practice weakens the physical, mental, and moral powers and bars the way to everlasting life. 
There's a tea that you can drink. Um, it's called Skullcap Tea. Uh, we didn't, we ran out, so we don't have any in our booth, but <laughs> there we ran out. <laughs> it actually helps you overcome addictions, all kinds, because it helps calm your nerves. And, you know, people like, they get, you know, anxiety calms, and takes away anxiety, so calms your nerves, so they don't take a, a hit or a drug, right? But we, we actually did run out. <laughs> so up to three to four cups a day, this calms undue sexual desire. So Skullcap Tea, you can look for it, um, you can find it. The last thing is allow God to take you through suffering as this is the means he will use to bring you victory. I want victory. How about you? What do you say? Amen? So, man, um, there's victory in Jesus Christ. And he can give you that victory. And it starts in your mind. And many times it may be painful to deal with your past. I know. And you probably, there's probably some young men here today who are hurting and who are struggling. You know, darkness cannot live in the light. You have to be transparent. You have to be real. Well, the moment you become transparent and real, the light kills the darkness. So you have to be open with God. First of all, be open with yourself. Ask God, search your heart. Show you where you're falling, where you're sinning. A lot of times we don't even see our own sins. Allow the Holy Spirit to convict you. Then open your heart to God as a friend. Tell him everything. By the way, guess what? You can tell him everything because he already knows everything. What do you say? Amen. No need sense hide from it. Probably painful to talk to him about what's really true, but tell him the truth. And then maybe you know talk to a, you know one of your youth leaders or a good friend where you need help. And maybe not only about the sexual sins, but maybe the root cause of what's causing so much pain. Why are you cutting yourself? There must be a deeper inner pain that you want to external pain out on your body, right? Why do you want to kill yourself and commit suicide? There's something there, right? You're not just accidentally thinking those thoughts. Something is hurting you. You must bring it out. Ask God to reveal it to you and experience healing. I want that healing. How about you? What do you say? Amen? This afternoon, our seminar continues. Um, it's going to be purity and passion, talking about the consequences of wrong sexual activity and how to get healing for that. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. And may you continue to bring um, your love and healing to everyone here. And bless everyone. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded at the GYC 2017 Conference Arise in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to inspire young people to be Bible-based, Christ-centered, and soul-winning Christians. To download or purchase other resources like this, visit us online at www.gycweb.org.